listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you save your marriage no matter where you are in the process. And today we're going to cover maybe even in the beginning, you can save your marriage before it gets into serious trouble, but also what happens? How do you understand what's happening when your marriage is hard? What's that about? Sometimes people assume that if your marriage is hard, if the relationship is difficult, that something must be wrong. And I want to dispel that rumor a little bit. I want to dispel that myth a little bit and talk about some ways to get beyond that. So this is the podcast that I have now been doing, I think, for, I don't know, five years. We're at episode 350, so maybe longer than that if I do the math. And it's been listened and downloaded over 3 million times. I think the last time I looked, we hit it up on 3.2 million times it's been downloaded, which is a crazy number in my mind about how this has been carried around the world. And that's because people want to find how to have a happy relationship. And that's the real root of this, right? We're all searching for that. Marriage is an interesting proposition. You're basically saying, hey, we're in this together for the rest of our lives. We're joining together. My wife and I are coming up on 32 years of marriage, and so well over half my life uh, I've been uh, married, uh, and that has been one of the big growth points in my life. Now, growth points usually mean that you've, you've got to make it through some bit of a struggle. That's the nature of life, right? I mean, that that's really what sets us apart as humans. We, we figure out what's going to make us grow and we push towards it. This morning, uh, after I had uh, done my quick little walk, I came down uh, to my little workout area and I decided it was time for a little uh, strength training. And what do I do to get stronger? I struggle against something. I lift things that are heavy. I take them on. So that is part of how I think about this whole marriage is difficult thing, that sometimes marriage is hard doesn't mean something's wrong with the marriage as much as that's the nature of anything that's important. Things are hard sometimes. I mean, how would you like it if you found out that your doctor went to medical school where nothing was a challenge, nothing was hard? They didn't have to learn anything to get through. They didn't have to struggle through anything. They just breezed right through. It didn't really even pick up much. That's okay. It's supposed to be that way, right? I wouldn't want to be with that doctor. How about people who throughout their life go, ah, it's too difficult. I'm going to walk away from their job, you know, their duties in life. Being a parent, I mean, what parent says, oh, it's too hard. I think I'll walk away. And yet every day, People tell themselves the story about their marriage. Oh, it's a struggle. It's too hard. It must be wrong. There must be something wrong here if we're struggling like this. It's one of those biggest reasons I hear from people about why they walk away. Now, I just want to go back with you uh, to that moment when you said, I do. I want to revisit that with you. And I want to ask you a question. When you were making your vows, were they a lot like mine Here's pretty much what we promised each other. 
that we would stick by each other's sides in good days and in bad days, in sick days and healthy days and rich days and poor days. And we've had some sick days. We've had lots of healthy days. We had some poor days, especially when we were at the beginning and I was in grad school and my wife was in grad school and we had kids and we went through those times, right? We've had good days and we've also had bad days. And the promise was to stick together through those. What I don't remember from that pledge was to stick together while it was easy, to promise each other that it would always be easy. But I do remember promising that we would stick through it regardless of whether it was easy. Which is why I'm sometimes baffled when people say, you know, our marriage is just not meant to be because it's just so hard. And I think that underlies a basic misunderstanding about relationships in general and the marital relationship in particular. It's the nature of relationships for there to be hard times. And the question is, is it important enough to stick through the hard times to get to something that's better? Which brings us to the start of your marriage. Let's go back to that moment. Most of the times when people get married, the relationship is easy. I'm not saying life is easy, but the relationship is easy. You want to be with each other. You're trying to show each other love. Your, you know, your physical relationship is probably much more active than later on in life. You, you are wanting to do new things together, try new things together. Everything's new and different. The struggles haven't happened yet. The, the bruises, the scars of, of interacting with someone on a daily basis, they haven't hit yet. And so it's all pretty easy. That's the start of any relationship. It's easy and it's connecting. And sometimes that gives you a false sense of security. I remember when I was doing um, premarital counseling. I did premarital counseling for several churches in town that basically if you were going to get to the altar in those churches, you came through my office for three sessions. Now, what I know from those sessions is that people were only half listening to what I said. I often tried to give them some advice on what to look for and how to deal with struggles along the way. But they were pretty sure that they'd already beat it. Yeah, they knew that just under half of marriages fail. They, they knew that. But they also had a sneaking suspicion that the real problem was that they didn't really have love in the first place. But that they did. The other people didn't really have the love that they needed. But they did. They had already, in their minds, beat the statistics before the clock ever started ticking. They already were convinced that they had this wrapped. Many told me that they had waited a while because their parents had gotten divorced or they had some other reason, but now they had found the love of their life and they knew it was the right thing to do. Now, here's the thing. They were right about that. But what they underestimated was whether there'd be struggle along the way. So I often heard myself saying, well, if you have some struggles along the way, remember that somebody said, that's normal, and let's get together and talk about it. Let's see if we can find a better way through it. In those easy connecting times, we think that we've already beat the system, right? We've already gotten beyond the str struggle until the challenges come. And there are some pretty common 
challenges that most couples face. I would say all couples face, but somebody's going to write me an email and tell me that they didn't have that struggle. They had already figured it out. I would raise the question of why they were listening to my podcast, but that's a whole nother question. So what are those challenges? One of those challenges is, are the roles, the roles that people play in the relationship. Because we all have roles in life. You have multiple roles that you play. The role you play at work, the role you pay, play at, on a team, the role you play as a parent, the role you play in your family of origin, and the role you play in your marriage. And there are certain patterns that you've established or that you are establishing in those places. And the problem is, in a marriage, often those roles are unconscious as they come into the marriage. You learn the roles from watching your parents and either deciding they did it right or they did it wrong, and you're going to do the exact opposite. But that's generally what we do in life. We watch a role and watch somebody play it, and we either say, that's completely right or that's completely wrong, rather than figuring out some place we would like to pivot to. So the roles often come into conflict. And the roles can be the gender issue roles. They can be in the task roles. They can be in the roles of who's going to you know, uh, be the emotional or the rational or – I mean just it's so many roles that we play in our marriage. But the role you play of how you show up as a partner, as a companion, as a spouse means that you have a mental model of how you're supposed to do it. That's not likely to be an exact match of what your spouse thinks that you or that your spouse should be doing. So the roles lead to conflicts. They can be silly conflicts or smaller conflicts. My parents talk about their role conflict, one of their role conflicts when they first got married, and that was who's going to mail the envelopes. No big deal, right? So each of them were leaving the envelopes to be put in the mail out by the front door but they kept accumulating. And there's a reason why. In my father's family, it was the role of my grandmother to take the mail and put it in the mailbox because my grandfather often worked either in a home office or right beside. He was a pastor of a church, and they always lived right beside the church, so he was never going very far from that when he was going to work. So she would take that and head out to the post office and put him in. So for my father, it was the wife's role. Now, my mother grew up in a family where my grandfather, her father, was a postal worker. So he could take all their mail on the way to work and drop it off right there. And so for my mother, it was the husband's job to take the mail in. Now, they weren't trying to force it on each other. They just made an assumption, and that's the thing about roles. They start out unconscious until they're not working, and then it becomes painfully conscious. They had to figure out how they were going to navigate that because each was expecting the other without it being something they thought they even had to talk about. It's assumed. So the assumed roles often are the first challenge for couples to figure out how it's going to work, how it's going to roll in life. That can be who's going to make the money, you know, how are you going to interact with each other, and who starts any uh, interactions, and who's going to cook, and who's going to clean, how you're going to do those things, all these little pieces of life that you're joining together with somebody, and it hits a place where you've made an assumption and the other's made a different assumption, and something happens. Either you both are trying to do something or neither of you are doing something. You have a role issue, which can lead to conflict. 
that can make it hard. The second thing, the second challenge is about connection. When you are in love, when you are in that chemical storm of infatuation with somebody, you're doing everything you can to demonstrate your love with them. You want so desperately to be connected with them. So what I've noticed is that when people were coming into my office getting ready to get married, they were getting married because they wanted to show their spouse how much they love them. That was their thing. I want to show you how much I love you. Now, if I fast forward a little bit and the emotional storm has calmed down a little bit, the question begins to be, how do you love me? Not how can I show you love, but how are you loving on me? Because I'm not feeling it right now. So obviously you're not giving me something that I need in order to feel it. We often put it on the other person that we're not feeling the infatuation. We're not feeling the in-love feeling. We put that as the responsibility of the other person instead of recognizing it's a natural progression and we haven't turned the corner to where we act lovingly because that's the choice we made and that's what leads back to feeling love. So connection tends to be the next challenge. How are we going to stay connected? In fact, let's throw in a couple of other things because you get married and many people go on a honeymoon where all you have to do is to connect and then you come home and you might have a job to do or you might have hobbies that are calling your name or friends that are calling your name or kids that are calling your name and suddenly it doesn't feel like there's enough time to give to each other because you have to get back to life. And often the connection is assumed to be okay and it's shuffled to the back seat Or as I often say, you hit the pause button. The third challenge is in direction. Like which way are we going to go with life? What are our big priorities? You are two different people. You might, broadly speaking, agree on direction. But in specifics, it may vary. I remember years ago, I was reading a book how in every marriage, somebody's a spender and the other's a saver. Which makes intuitive sense to some people because they've experienced it. But what they fail to realize is if you put two people together, any two people, one person is going to have more of a tendency to, to look for the freedom of money and the other to look for the security of money. That's basically freedom of spending and security of holding on of saving. So one is more likely to spend and the other is more likely to save just because you put two different people together. But more than that, it happens on different categories. One person may think you should spend a whole lot on this area of life, the house or, you know, kids' school or whatever. And the other thinks you should spend it on this, of going and traveling and eating finely and whatever else. And so you have even a difference in the categories. And you can look at that and go, well, we're just different people. Or you can just say, we have some different priorities that we need to understand as a team. And the problem is if you're accenting the fact that you have a different viewpoint, you can believe that the direction is counter to each other rather than asking how do we bring our direction together? How do we join together and find the path that we want for our relationship? Those are the challenges. What are our roles? How do we deal with our connection and and keep our connection up? And how do we negotiate the direction that we are going to go now that we've joined our lives together. 
I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day. It was talking about mountaineering and safety on mountaineering. And, you know, what happens when you attach yourself to a, a partner on the mountain, you've suddenly tied your fate to that person. Love the idea because I've done a lot of reading about survival, who survives different accidents. And so this person was talking about what happens. So in mountaineering, some people decide not to rope together. They stay as individuals. If somebody slips, it's up to them to save themselves. If they don't, tough luck. Other mountaineers feel like you have more safety by being connected with somebody. So if one falls, the other can arrest the fall. But you're tying your fate to somebody which is what you're doing in a relationship. Imagine going up a mountain with a complete stranger that you don't have any idea of how they live their life or how they take risks. And you say, okay, let's rope together. I'll I'll protect you. You protect me. We'll just be fine here. Imagine what that is like if you were to do that. How scary would that be? How scary would it be to be attaching yourself to somebody that you have no idea how they understand the world? Pretty terrifying, I would imagine. But now let's say that you've been with that person on repeated times on the mountain. You know exactly how they respond to things. You know exactly what their safety margin is. Now, it's possible that you'll say, I do not trust that person. I am not going to be roped to that person. But you may say, I trust them implicitly. Well, that's kind of like marriage. You Hopefully, whoever you're marrying, you have an implicit trust that you're going to figure it out together that you're tying your life together with this person. And that's how you're going to make it through, by staying in that attachment. So part of that direction is recognizing you've got to figure out the direction together. This is where you realize that being in love is not enough to carry you through a life. It's a great place to start, and it certainly might get you to the altar. But beyond that, you've got to make a shift the shift to being a we. The problem is, for many people, it gives a false sense of security about the outcome of your relationship. And because of that false sense of security, people don't pay attention and they don't notice the problems that are arising. And those those that arise come from two different places, the struggle and the pause. The struggle is what happens when a couple keeps fighting against each other instead of joining together as a team. Instead of being a a we, you know, every marriage starts as a you and me. But if you don't pivot over and say, it's us in this together, it will become a you versus me where you're struggling against each other instead of working together as a team. The struggle is one place where the fracture starts showing. The other pet place is when a couple hits pause. They hit the pause button. Maybe they haven't been struggling that much. They've just been kind of coexisting and getting along because things keep rocking on along and they're doing their things, but they haven't really joined the we. And then they hit pause for kids, for career, for hobbies, for whatever it is, something in life that seems to be calling louder than the relationship. And they go, okay, let's pause our marriage. We'll just coexist until we get the kids through grade school, high school, college, careers, wherever. Let's just pause this until we get the promotions we need. We get to partner status. We get to whatever it is, whatever place you need to accomplish along the way. 
let's just pause it until I'm too old to run marathons or keep biking or whatever it is. And, and so we, we hit pause for a lot of different reasons. We believe that we'll get back to the relationship. That's what people think. Just unpause and we're right back. It's very much the same myth we're buying when we think that all we've done with our culture today during the pandemic is hit the pause button. And now all we have to do is unpause it. When we unpause something, we realize that things didn't really get paused. Relationships don't pause. There are only two things that happen in a relationship. They either grow or they recede. They either grow and expand or contract and recede. That's it. Many times people hit pause, not realizing that what that does is actually contract the relationship. So they come back to unpause the relationship, and they don't know who the person is. They've gotten out of the habits of connecting. They don't even know who this person has become. And there's the challenge. The challenge is in the struggle. That's where marriage can be hard. The challenge is in the pause. That's where marriage can be hard. And the problem is we have to get through this by recognizing that, yeah, relationships have struggles. And, yeah, relationships have to have ways of staying connected even in the midst of all that life is is calling, all that life is pushing. This is the case for focusing on staying connected, for recognizing you're on the same team, and for negotiating the priorities for where you move forward as a team. Sometimes people get behind in that. They have to find a way to get beyond that. They have to find a way to shift to connection with each other, to shift with changing and growing in your own life, to shift to creating a new path for your relationship, one that's about we. If you missed it there, those are my three C's. The three C's of saving your marriage. That's how to save your marriage in three simple steps. That's the book I wrote. Those are the three simple steps. Remember I said simple, not easy, but simple. It's about connecting with your spouse, reconnecting, but connecting with your spouse in a way that you haven't at this point. Changing yourself. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that you probably have places of stagnation and places where you need to come alive again. So you change yourself and bring your better self to the relationship. And finally, you create a new path. The creating a new path is about being a we. Connect, change, create. Those are the three pieces that make it up. Now you know why a marriage is hard. You also have some ideas of what to do when your marriage is hard because it doesn't have to be hard. It's become hard because you missed out on the things to keep your eyes on. And you focused on the things that really pulled you off path. So what do you do now? Well, I don't do any advertising on the Save the Marriage podcast. I haven't all of this time. Because I'm talking from a place of saying, I've got a solution for you. And many people won't take advantage. I understand that. But for you, you listening, if you're realizing that your relationship is hard and you don't want it to be, if you're realizing that there's a chance you're going to lose your relationship and you don't want to do that, that's the time to dig in. 
That's the time to grab the Save the Marriage system and begin working through it. The system is designed so that only one person can start. Notice all three pieces I named of connecting with your spouse, reaching out in connection with your spouse, of changing yourself, figuring out where you need to change and grow, of creating a new path, figuring out a better way of thinking about your relationship around being a we. They all can start with one person. In fact, that middle one can only come from one person. Only you can change yourself. But you can start the other two also. That's why it works. Only one person can begin to turn the tide. But somebody's got to decide not to just say, why is it so hard? But to ask the question, how do we get beyond this? How do we get to a better place so that hard is not the question? Worth it is the real question. If that's the place for you, start the journey at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. A couple of things I'm adding in right now. There will be a point that I will offer you. You don't have to take it, but I will offer you a free week of my VIP program. It's the only time I make that offer. So pay attention to it. If you don't want it, you'll have to click a a link that says you don't want it, but it won't come back. Take advantage of that. Get the tools you need right now. Get everything you can to get started right now. And one of those pieces you can also get is on the download page of the system. You can click the button for coaching. Give us some information and we'll match you up with one of our coaches. And one of my coaches will contact you to do a get started session to give you every advantage to getting beyond the hard to the marriage that you want, the one you both want, the one that's warm, connected, the one that will take you through the rest of your life together. If you're ready for that journey, start at savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.